This podcast is brought to you in part by Bandit Tacos. Bandit Tacos, 824 Main Street, over there at Willie's Joint. Tell John and Rocio JR said hello. Folks, the summer months are approaching and it's going to get hotter and hotter here in Central Texas. Before it gets too hot, give Dell's a call. Dell's Heating and Air Condition. They can come out and service and check out your system to make sure it's working at its optimum level. Tell them you heard it on this podcast and get $30 off a service call. Dell's Heating and Air Conditioning. Hello, folks, and welcome to Back Talk. My name is J.R. Gonzalez. I'm your host. Back Talk is brought to you by the Buda Area Chamber of Commerce. Today, we're going to be talking with Colonel Tim Black. Colonel Tim Black is retired Air Force, but also a colonel in the Commemorative Air Force down in San Marcos, Texas. Tim, how are you doing today? Doing good, Jr. How can, are you doing? Can I call you Tim, or should I call you Colonel? I no, you like, should call me Tim. Tim, okay. Yeah. I feel like I should salute or something. <laughs> but, uh, Tim, uh, the Commemorative Air Force, there's a few people who know about it, but not enough. Commemorative Air Force is at the um, in San Marcos, Texas, and can you tell us what that is? The Commemorative Air Force is an organization, uh, it's a nationwide organization, actually, that uh, our charter is to keep history alive. And by doing that, keeping these old World War II airplanes flying and restored so the public can see them and see what they did in World War II and in that era uh, is our charter. Educate people to what we have is, uh, is one of our goals. And uh, the organization was founded in 1957 uh, down in Harlingen, Texas. Uh, a couple of fighter pilots from World War II decided to uh, keep history alive by restoring some P-51 Mustangs and other aircraft. And it just kind of grew from there, from one airplane to we have over 170 airplanes now that the, uh, the uh, units in the Commemorative Air Force take care of and keep restored. There's over 12,000 members. It's a nationwide organization. <clears throat> Excuse me. There's over uh, 75 locations throughout the United States uh, and a couple overseas in this organization. The Commemorative Air Force headquarters is in Dallas. Uh, we are the Central Texas Wing here in San Marcos. We are one unit of the overall uh, organization. So the organization, it's a nonprofit organization. It's a nonprofit 501c3. Uh, so any donations we get are uh, tax tax uh, tax free. You weren't pitching for a donation right there this early in the show. Well, actually, you, I am. Okay, <laughs> we'll get to that. But okay, um, the Commemorative Air Force five hundred one C three, and your mission is to keep these old war planes flying. Now you said you're you're national, but you also said you had wings overseas. So are you international organization? It could be an international organization, uh, if you will, because there are a couple of locations overseas. I know there's one in France, and I know there's uh, another one somewhere overseas. But uh, there are uh, over 75 total, and that could be one pilot with one airplane, or it could be uh, uh, like in Arizona, they have a, a, a more of a wing, and they are, uh, I forget exactly how many aircraft they have. I think they have about 10 aircraft. We have eight aircraft in our organization in San Marcos. Eight aircraft, and these are mostly <clears throat> vintage World War II aircraft. They are. We have uh, seven fixed-wing airplanes, and we have one helicopter. Uh-huh. The helicopter we have is a Korean vintage. Mash, uh, the mash type it's, helicopter. It's a mash helicopter, and it's painted exactly like it was 
on 407 7th uh, Mash over that's from the TV show. That's pretty cool. I mean, that'd make a great photo op for somebody, wouldn't it? It would, yeah. All aircrafts are a good photo drop. Now, you said you had how many aircraft? Seven? Eight aircraft? Counting the helicopter, we've got eight aircraft. Okay. The the seven you have, can you kind of, what do you have there? Okay, we'll start with the, uh, probably the most famous aircraft that we have down there. We have a C-47, which was a cargo aircraft, uh, aircraft used to uh, drop paratroopers as well as carry cargo and supplies. Uh... This particular aircraft that we have in San Marcos is not just any C-47. This, uh, on D-Day, June 6, 1944, at Normandy, <clears throat> there were over 840 C-47s that dropped the two units, 101st and 82nd Airborne, behind enemy lines the night pre-invasion. Uh, and so of those 840 C-47s, ours was the lead C-47. It was the first aircraft in line for dropping the paratroopers. The first, the lead aircraft. The lead in the, aircraft. In the D-Day invasion. Right. And she has been restored to exactly the way she was on June 6, 1944, uh, both inside and out. Wow. D-Day stripes and everything. D-Day stripes, uh, chalkboard on the side. The, uh, the, in fact, the emergency kits, uh, first aid kits that are inside the aircraft. I think there were seven of them in the original aircraft. There are seven of them in this one. It's there, and the, uh, you open the kits, and it has exactly what a first aid kit had in World War II. It is down to that much detail. Wow. Tim, let me how, – where? How did you guys find this old aircraft? Where was it, and what did it cost to restore it to, to, to brand-new condition? Well, it cost a couple of million dollars to restore it. American? American dollar. Okay. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> it was found in a field up in Wisconsin uh, at, a, at a business, a, a corporation there that restores C-47s and turns them into corporate airplanes or puts turboprops on them instead of the recip air engines. And uh, so long story short is a commemorative Air Force found it out in a field. They saw the name on it, That's All Brother. They saw the tail number. And so they did some research, and uh, they found out through research that this was the lead airplane in the D-Day invasion. So the Commemorative Air Force purchased it, and over about a three-year period, we restored it to flying condition. And she is flying. She's given rides. You can buy a ride on the aircraft and uh, see what the paratroopers experienced uh, back in 1944. We it's took it to— Stepping uh, back into history. It is. We you step back into uh, into in time, time itself yeah. when you come into our hangar with the aircraft we have there. Now that hangar you have is an actual World War II hangar, correct? It is. They had three World War II hangars at San Marcos, uh, San Marcos Airport, or Army Airfield at that time, and uh, this was the only one left. But it is uh, a original World War II. It was built in I think '42. Isn't the um, that hangar one of the few still active? World War II hangars in the country? It is. I don't know how many there are, but there are very few active World War II original uh, hangars. Now, let's get back to the C-47. You're saying that this company would get C-47s and retrofit them for modern use. I mean, we're talking an old plane here, Tim. I mean, these planes are, what, 75, 80 years old? Well, she was built in, uh, what, 43? Wow. 1943. 1943. Right. And still flying. 
So I mean that's that that's some heck of engineering, I guess. If if these these and I know down in um, well in Colombia and South American stuff, a lot of those C forty sevens are still used as cargo planes and. I think they're very one of the favorite planes of some of the cartels down there as well because they, they are little workhorses. Uh, that's true. There are a lot of companies down in South America or other countries have these aircraft, and then uh, some corporations will buy them because they're a good aircraft to get into short airfields. They mm-hmm. can land and take off on short fields. So a lot of businesses will use them uh, after they've been retrofitted. C-47, that's all, brother. I mean, a piece of history right there in San Marcos, Texas that a lot it of is. people don't know about. When can they go see it? When are you open down there at the CAF? We're open uh, every week from mon- uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday from 9 o'clock to 4. Okay. And then and, uh, the public can come in and see the plane when it's there? It, the public, anybody is welcome to come in. There is no charge to come in. We would ask uh, for a donation if you like it's what you see there mm-hmm. uh, to cover a few things about the hangar. There's one road into the airport in San Marcos, which is out on Highway 21, just east of San Marcos. And there's one road, and you take it in, and you follow it all the way to the rear of the airport, and it runs right into the parking lot at our hangar. You walk across the ramp through a little gate we built that uh, simulates the 1940-era gatehouse for uh, an airfield. Okay. And then uh, you come into the hangar, and... Uh, we have a World War II museum that's got a lot of really interesting uh, items in there. One in particular I, I like to point out to people is we have, uh, well, there was uh, the navigator for Jimmy Doolittle on the Tokyo Raid, mm-hmm. Doolittle Raiders, Hank Potter. He lived in the local area, was a member of the wing. I think he passed away in 2000. But in 1994, he went back to China the Chinese know where all the crash sites were because all those aircraft, the 16 B-25s, none of them made it back. And so it was a one-way trip. But for all those that crashed on in China over there after the raid, they knew where all the crash sites were and they knew where his tail number, the lead aircraft, uh, his tail number was. So Hank went out to the crash site and took some memorabilia out of the crash site that was there and came, brought it back to the States. What he donated to the wing was the piece of armor plating that was behind Jimmy Doolittle's seat in the lead B-25 on the Doolittle Raid, and you can see it in our hangar. That thing should be in the Smithsonian. They would like to have it and ask us if we would loan it to them, and we said, no, come visit us in San Marcos. (laughs) For those folks that are not as old as we are, um, if if they've seen the movie Pearl Harbor, and that's when they those uh, B-25s took off the what the USS Hornet to, to invade right. Japan, and, and Doolittle was the uh, commander and leader of that raid. Wow. So you have that, and you also have an, another plane. Speaking of the Doolittle raid, you have a B-25. That's correct. We have a B-25. Uh, it's called Yellow Rose. And, uh, and you're the pilot for that aircraft. I fly the Yellow Rose, right. And so uh, it's, uh, it's been painted up and restored to the 1940s, uh, 1944 uh, era, uh, World War II condition, inside and out. And so people can get rides on that aircraft as well. And uh, we do air shows, we do flyovers. Uh, if people in the local area have seen <clears throat> warbirds flying overhead in, in groups, it's probably coming from our hangar, from our aircraft. 
we've uh, done flowers for the Formula One races, uh, for University of Texas football games, for golf tournaments. We've done a Valero golf tournament down in San Marcos. Uh, we do funerals, we do parades. Uh, so we try and get out as much as we can. We do air shows around the country. Uh, going back to the C-47 for a minute, in 2019, when they had the 75th anniversary of D-Day, we flew the C-47, that's our brother, from San Marcos over to the East Coast, up the East Coast, across the northern route, Iceland, Greenland, to England, to France, to participate in the 75th anniversary of the D-Day invasion. And it went exactly the same way that the aircraft in World War II would have gone to Europe because of how they got there. And uh, she performed in uh, the celebration for the D-Day landings. They dropped paratroopers, <coughs> excuse me, at, uh, at Normandy, just like they did in 1944. Wow. And then she participated in the Paris Air Show, and then we flew her back across, back to the States. So that was, that was our, our goal when we first started restoring the aircraft, was to participate in the 75th anniversary. So that's how well she's restored. It was capable to fly across the Atlantic. Right. Was that crew a little nervous going across the Atlantic when you get that point of no departure? I mean, you're you're there in the middle of. I mean, that's amazing, Tim. I mean, well, you're flying an airplane built. <clears throat> excuse me. You're flying in an airplane built in 1944, 43. And probably by the lowest bidder. Uh, wouldn't doubt it. They didn't build them to didn't build. Uh, apparently, they did build them to last because as, as they're restored and they're kept up, they will last. And so it's not like flying a, a dangerous airplane. It is it care and the love and the professionalism that went into the restoration takes care of all that. It is safety from the first first uh, from the first go. So for that reenactment, was there a lot of aircraft out there from all over the world? There were. There, I forget exactly how many came from the states. That they, there were several other C-47s that went from the states as well to participate, and so, uh, uh, and not just C-47s, but some other aircraft. I don't know exactly how many they right. had. A lot of European uh, airplanes from Europe participated as well. Did all of them have the D-Day stripes on them? Some did. Some didn't. Okay. Now, Tim, you're a retired Air Force pilot. Uh, when you were active duty, what did you fly? Well, I. I uh, went through pilot training in Del Rio, Texas, and I uh, came out and uh, Vietnam was going on. So I went to Vietnam. I flew a caribou on my first tour in, uh, in Vietnam, supplying uh, special forces in uh, special forces camps out in the jungle, carrying anything the Army wanted us to carry. Uh, now, for the, for the civilian folks out there, what, what, what is a caribou? Caribou is a twin-engine reciprocating engine transport, and it uh, carries about 33 uh, troops or passengers you know carry a jeep and a trailer uh i think i forget exactly now it's been a while uh what the cargo load is on it but uh it's good for short field takeoffs and landings uh most of the strips that we went into over there uh, out in the jungle were maybe a thousand feet long so if you want to go out and mark off a thousand feet you'll see that it's not, not very long <laughs> not, not for a plane to take off on that's loaded down with equipment right and so I, I volunteered for a second tour and went back in A-26s. Uh, we did all-night missions uh, interdicting the Ho Chi Minh Trail in Laos. Uh, we flew out in the Confinam, Thailand. Uh, I came back to the States and flew in, 
in the training command for five years when the T-38, and then uh, went into the A-10 uh, attack aircraft, the Thunderbolt, the Air Force calls it. They were using T-38s in Vietnam? No, it wasn't around then. Okay. Well, it was around, but they weren't using combat. Yeah, now, what they had is they, they made a conversion of it, an F-5, and F-5 was built just like a T-38. Okay. But okay. it has some differences. All right. And then, so I have to ask, what's the difference? I mean, what what a blessing to be able to fly these old World War II aircraft. Is there, was there a big difference between the Vietnam era aircraft and, and these, these old warbirds? Well, these are Vietnam era or earlier warbirds. Uh, the A-26 I flew was a B-26 from World War II. So I was comfortable flying that. And so transitioning to the B-25 was not that big. Big a stretch for me because I had okay. been there before. How many hours do you have in that B twenty five? I think I've got about two and a two hundred and fifty hours in it. And overall flying time? Uh, I quit counting at fifteen thousand hours. Wow! After the Air Force, I flew uh, for UPS for sixteen years, and then I've been flying in the Commemorative Air Force since two thousand and one. So you spend more time in the air than you do on the ground, Tim? Uh, it looks like it. <laughs> so you have, uh, that's all brother, and you have the B-25. What other aircraft? You have some smaller aircraft out there as well. We have a P-39 Aerocobra. There are uh, three. Now, that's P one of my favorites. Well, it's an air-to-ground uh, aircraft. They made 10,000 in World War II. There are three flying in the world, and ours is one of them. And she's called the, the Miss Connie, I believe? Uh, yes. Well, as uh, I think it is Miss Connie, yep. And the thing with that uh, P-39, it has a 50 caliber cannon right there in the nose, and the engine is actually behind the pilot in that aircraft, isn't it? That was the unique thing about the P-39. The engine is behind the pilot with a drive shaft going under the cockpit to the propeller, and it had a 75 millimeter cannon that fires through the nose cone. Oh, 75 millimeter. Yeah. Okay, wow. Through the nose cone. I and think it could do some damage. It could. And they have uh, two thirty caliber machine guns on top of the fuselage that fire through the propeller and fifty caliber machine guns in the wings. I imagine they'd use that for what, like tank busters or just low-level low strafing with, I mean, that kind of firepower in that front nose. Right. It was an air-to-ground uh, aircraft that was built to go out and kill enemy armor. Wow. You have that. What else do you have? We have a T-6 Texan. Okay. <clears throat> which was an advanced trainer in World War II. Uh, again, people can buy rides on that as well. So uh, uh, we have several aircraft, both big Tim, and small. I'm, I'm getting the feeling that you're the, the, uh, the Wings' top salesperson. I don't know about that. I <laughs> okay. think we all we get started, and it, it's just hard to stop. Well, it's important because if you, got, you say buy rides, I mean, these are opportunities for people to, to step back in the time and fly in a piece of history. Well worth it, and those monies go back to the wing to keep everything flying. That's correct. We're a volunteer organization. Uh, nobody has paid, at least uh, not at our level. And uh, I think the general staff on headquarters at, uh, in Dallas, they have some paid positions, but every, most of the, it is a volunteer organization. And so any money that we make, fundraising or otherwise, from selling rides, doing these flowers, all goes back into keeping these aircraft restored. Well, just give folks an example, Tim, and maybe you know the stats on this, but the plane that you fly mostly, the B-25, 
What's it cost to get that thing off the ground? <clears throat> I think the you could probably run around fifteen hundred dollars an hour uh, to fly it. Fifteen hundred dollars an hour to fly it. Okay, mm -hmm. so some money has to be pumped into those birds. It is. Um, it, it has to. That's that's our goal is to fly these airplanes and our to make that goal work. We've done it. Do fundraisers or have people buy rides on their history flights on the airplanes. Or make those donations when they make come. Make the see. donations. Correct. We also have a C-45 uh, in there in the wing. It's a Beechcraft 19. It was restored as well, both inside and out. And we have a BT-13 that the wing has restored from the ground up as well, and a, a one of the first trainers in World War II. Okay. Now, you've thrown out all these letters and numbers. Fortunately, I know what they are, and, and for those, uh, and I do because I've actually been a member of the Confederate Air Force, excuse me, the Commemorative Air Force for, for a number of years, and I just love those old warbirds, and I know them, a lot of them inside out, and I've had the opportunity to fly in a lot of them. But Tim, for the audience out there, can you kind of give us an idea of the designation of what the C, what the B, what the P, what the T mean? So as they go out there, they may have a little bit better understanding of what they're looking at. Sure. The C for the C-47 stands for cargo, and uh, that would be your C-41s, C-5s, uh, C-17s nowadays. Uh, C stands for cargo. So C stands for cargo, but especially in <clears throat> Vietnam, weren't some of those like C-47s converted into actually putting guns on them and using them for different purposes? Right. They did. The uh, they put cannons out the side windows on the C-47. They called it an AC-47 attack cargo, okay. and uh, they it would go out and do a lot of uh, could do a lot of damage on the ground because it, uh, the way they had uh, had it set up with the side firing guns. Well, when you hear the term in old movies and stuff, Vietnam era, puff puff the magic dragon. That was, was a C-47. C-47, right? Okay, and didn't they use C-47s also as submarine hunters? They used them for a lot of things. Uh, in, in Vietnam, these airplanes weren't that old uh, as they are now. Okay, so they're still so relatively... We used the A-1 Sky Raider. We used the T-28. Uh, we used the, uh, the A-26. So we had aircraft that were used in World War II that were used in Vietnam, and that was a war that was these aircraft were really made for. Okay. So let's go back and let's alphabetical order, I guess. So A stands for attack. All right. B stands for bomber. Bomber. Okay. The B-17, the B-25. Right. Okay. And then you go uh, to the uh, P for the P-39. In World War, or in those days, in uh, Vietnam, uh, World War II era, it stood for pursuit. Okay. Now that has been changed to F for fighter. Okay. So like P-51, famous P-51 Mustang. It is a pursuit. Pursuit. Right. Okay. And then you have T's? We have the uh, T's, and that would be for trainer. Okay. So now, folks, you've been educated to what those numbers, those letters stand for in front of those numbers. Well, Tim, if somebody wanted to go out there and just take the family and look around, you said it's absolutely free, no charge. Donations are always welcome. You have the museum. You have the hangar. You also have uh, a memorial library for for Mr. John J. Stokes, who kind of started the whole thing back when. I believe I was fortunate enough to know Mr. Stokes, and, 
At one time, I think he had like the sixth or seventh largest private air force in the world because he was definitely had a a passion for him. He was buying up a lot of those old aircrafts. And don't you uh, doesn't the CF have a a large amount of their planes in out in um, what is it Odessa Odessa Midland area? Well, the headquarters used to be in Midland. Okay. And uh, they that's where headquarters was, and they also had a unit there. They moved from Harlingen to Midland. And then several years ago, they moved from Midland. The headquarters moved from Midland to Dallas, just south of downtown Dallas, about 10 miles at an airport there. I think it used to be a business park, or maybe it still is. But one, but the unit that was associated with it out at Midland stayed in Midland. So okay. the headquarters and all the museum and so forth, and they are transitioning to a, a major museum there in the Dallas uh, area for uh, the commemorative air force like they had out in uh, Midland. Okay. What are some of the more famous airplanes you have? Now, there's one that I've had the opportunity to fly in, Fifi. Can you tell us about Fifi? Fifi's a B-29. There's only two of those and uh, that are flying. And she's stationed there in, at the Dallas uh, location for headqu- with headquarters. And they, it's, uh, it's a B-29 from World War II. And, uh, as and it was the B-29 Super Fortress that dropped, <coughs> dropped the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Correct. Correct. So, again, another piece of history that you have the opportunity to fly on. They do tours around the United States, uh, history tours. We had one coming to San Marcos a couple of weeks ago. But because of the weather, it unfortunately had to be uh, rescheduled. So it's going to be in October now. So people in the local area, if they keep in touch with things going on out there, Look for the advertising that will come up in October. I'm not, I don't remember the exact date, but uh, they will be back, and you will be a ch- have a chance to go to the San Marcos Airport and tour it or get a ride on it. I've actually flown in, in Fifi. I took a hop from Austin, Texas, to Louisiana and that, and I had an opportunity to crawl the tube uh, while she was in flight. I think if I tried crawling the tube nowadays, I'd get stuck halfway through. Put on a few pounds since no then. No comment. No comment. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> um, it, it's an amazing aircraft. I believe, the, wasn't it the the, um, uh, the B-29 that was the first computerized aircraft where, where you could actually, the guns were synchronized with each other and can kind of point? Not what you fly, don't? Not, okay. No, not my bailiwick. Okay. Tim has this look on his face right now, kind of like a don't deer. Don't ask me that question. Don't ask you a question. <laughs> you just fly him. Don't know about him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sometimes I know a little too much about these things in my spare time. But a B-29, um, Fifi, beautiful aircraft, um, lovely. B-29 Super Fortress, definitely something you have to see if you have an opportunity. Tim, what does the um, Central Texas Wing have coming up? Anything, anytime soon? I know you do dinner dances once a year. Every uh, Veterans Day weekend, and it's the better, it's the Saturday night closest to Veterans Day. And... Uh, uh, the uh, wing will pro- do a dinner dance, and it's again, it's a fundraiser for us. Uh, we'll take all the aircraft out of the hangar. We have a World War II band come in that was like a USO touring band. The 1940s style, Benny yeah. Goodman, big S- band sound. Sen- Sentimental Journey is the one that we use. It's popular in the local area, San Antonio area. They could do quite a bit of performances, but they'll perform and they play the old swing music from the 40s. People will dress in the uh, 40s era clothes or uniforms or you don't have to but a lot of people like to do that and come out and we do a barbecue dinner as a part of it and so uh, it, it's a fun time we'll have a thousand people in the hangar 
I've been there before. It is amazing. <clears throat> the amount of people that actually show up and dress in that vintage clothing. Yeah. I mean, it's like, once again, stepping back into time. You used to do air shows. You don't do air shows any, anymore, correct? Uh, no, we stopped doing that years ago because of the expense. We're a small unit, and the expense for it uh, just uh, impacted us being able to do that. Now, we do have an air show coming up uh, the 29th and 30th of May okay. that I'd like to throw out there. Corey Morrow, who is a country and western singer, has uh, come up with an air show, car show, and music event that he is having at the San Marcos Airport. Now, they did one two years ago, was the first one, and uh, they were gonna do the second one last year, but the pandemic occurred, so they weren't able to. So the 29th and 30th, Saturday and Sunday this year, they're doing the second one. And it'll start, gates open at noon, and uh, they're gonna do, a, uh, they'll have cars and aircrafts, both civilian and military, for stack display for people to look at up close. For, from one to three, and then at three to five, they'll do an air show. And then at 7.30 at night, they have the live music. There'll be live music going on the whole day, but the big names will come on in the evening for the show. And this will be both Saturday and Sunday. You can go to a website called Go Wheels Up, G-O-W-H-E-E-L-S-U-P dot live, and you can get all the information you need about it. Okay, Go Wheels Up. Tim, thank you so much. Before we go, you had one more thing on your notes. Okay, let's. We're rolling. All right. Keep another going. thing we have coming up uh, is July the fourth, which is right around the corner. We last year did this for the first time on July fourth. We went out and, on kind of short notice, asked neighborhoods if they would like to have a flower from the wing, and we had neighborhoods sign up, and for five hundred dollars, you could have a flower of warbirds for your July fourth celebration. It went over real well. Like I said, it was kind of last minute put together, mm -hmm. so it, it worked out. It was successful. So this year we're, we're doing it with more of a lead time, and we are doing uh, from San Antonio to Austin to Round Rock, both the neighborhoods and golf courses, if they're having functions, anybody that's having a parade, or a little neighborhood parade. If anyone who has $500, you'll fly over. And you want to have a, four warbirds, at least four, maybe six warbirds fly over your event on July the 4th to help celebrate our nation's birthday. Uh, we, can, uh, we can do that. And we're taking sign-ups now, and what we will do, we'll be flying from 10 o'clock till 2 o'clock uh, to provide the flowers for all the locations. And before we get to uh, the July the 4th. Once we have everybody signed up, the wing will make a list of all the locations. They'll come up with a route of flight. We will publicize it so your, your neighborhood will know about when they're coming. And then the day of, we will be live streaming from the cockpits. And so you can go on How Facebook cool is that? and you can track this formation where it is and what it's doing, and both from the air and uh, from your location until you see them fly overhead. Uh, for your event. It's really a neat deal. Let me just put this site out there if I can. Sure. If you'd like to participate uh, in this, https colon slash slash flyover period centraltexaswing.org. Okay, so, so flyovercentraltexaswing.org. Flyover dot centraltexaswing.org 
will take you to the site and it has information. Don't, don't, don't get on the computer much, do you, Tim? No. Okay. I get my grandson to do that. Got it. <laughs> so one more time, and, and we'll put it in the in the notes. We'll put it in the notes of the podcast, that, that address. And um, you can also go to our website, centraltexaswing.org, or we're on Facebook, Commemorative Air Force Central Texas Wing. Okay. Folks, if you haven't been out there to the um, – Central Texas Wing of the CAF, I highly recommend it. If you're interested in supporting them, not only as a donor, when you go out there, you can buy something at the museum, you can drop in a donation, but you also can join the wing and become a colonel. That's correct. For, I believe it's $200 to national. $200 once a year to national and $50 to the wing. And you can uh, ride on these aircraft and be a part of keeping history alive. And actually have the name for free, and have the have the have the title of Colonel put before your name. Now, Tim, you meant, mentioned something. I want to remind folks that um, everybody's welcome. You you're only open certain hours. It is absolutely free. But if they want to get involved more, they can see. They can volunteer, become a colonel, get involved. There's there's many different ways to get involved with the CAF. There is, and uh, you don't have to be a pilot. You don't have to be a mechanic to get involved with us. Uh, we have multiple uh, functions and, and jobs. If, if, you're, if you want to get involved with our museum, uh, getting uh, items for the museum or showing people around the museum, we have docents that take people around so you know what you're seeing when you come out there to visit. Uh, you can do that. If, if you want to get involved with the, uh, the management of the wing or what the wing is doing uh, as far as doing computer work, there's all kinds of things. Just helping out around the wing uh, helping work on the airplanes, keep them clean, keep the hangar keep uh, up kept. And you can ride as a part of the crew when we go to air shows or take these airplanes on the road. Uh, and you uh, have an opportunity then based on anything. You, you get involved with what you want right. to get involved with. And uh, it, it's really a neat opportunity for people. Well, and I used to do that when I had more time in my hands, was a little younger, and where I didn't exceed the weight limit on a few of those aircrafts. But uh, anybody who's been on a Zoom call with me or uh, video conference and they see at my desk in the background is actually a photo of that B-25 that you pilot. Actually, I'm flying that one you're in, fly- in the picture. In the picture you're flying that That's one? Yes, I'm flying Well, you're really one. small. I can't see actually who's <laughs> flying, but that is a, a wonderful uh, photo. I just love it. And let me, let me just, if I could. Absolutely. Go ahead. There, you don't have to be ex-military to join. This was an organization that is, uh, we have people who've never been in the military we have ex-military, and we have people that are still in the military, in the reserves, or have an opportunity to participate both in what they do in the military and, and with us in the, in the wing. So civilian or military, you're welcome. So if you love vintage aircraft and want to support and keep these old birds flying, because you're also known as the Ghost Squadron, correct? Correct. The, uh, the Ghost Squadron, I've heard Ghost Squadron and um, Flying Museum, or, or nicknames I've, I've heard for the CF as well. Folks, if you want to support that, become a colonel. If you don't want to become a colonel, go out there, say hello, um, check it out, bring the family. It's an experience that you won't forget. Folks, you've been listening to Backtalk. If you like what you hear, follow us, make comments. We'd love to hear from you. Tim, thank you for your service. A retired military colonel. What, 25 years of service? 25. And how many years of service in the CAF now? Uh, Going on 21. Another 21 years. (laughs) Just And more time in the air than on the ground. Tim, thank you very much. Not only thank you for what you've done, but what you're doing of keeping history alive. 
Folks, I highly, highly recommend going out to the CAF in San Marcos. If you have any questions, um, just look at the notes on this podcast, and I'll go ahead and give you some additional information and the websites that um, Colonel Black was talking about. The pandemic is not over. We're getting there. Make sure you um, stay safe, distance, mask up, and take care of each other. Why? Because it's the beautiful thing to do.